Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Welcome to episode 79 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Dr. Ray Painter. And today we're going to answer some uh, questions in our Urology Coding and Reimbursement Group Forum as as well as uh, our urology community. So we're going to answer a few questions. And what we wanted to do today is is kind of take you through how uh, how we discuss a question. And I'm going to give my answer you know it's kind of like a, a couple of announcers in a in a sports game in a you know a football game or or hockey or something like that where i'm kind of the play by play i'm going to kind of give the the you know here's the way i see it and here's what i think the answer is and then ray does a good job and has taught me a lot by giving the color of the you know kind of the details and giving some more color to the answer, because as we've said, it's not just a black and white yes or no. There's always more to consider. So, so we're going to approach this like that to kind of give you the way we go through and have this discussion. Um, anything else to add to that uh, beginning, Ray? Yes, this uh, is uh, a special week. This is your holiday week, and I just want to say a happy holiday to everybody. Hope you're enjoying it the way you do. Some of you are religious, and some of you are just uh, enjoying the the spirit so happy holiday yes and uh we do uh we do enjoy the holidays at the painter household is and uh love to get together as as most families do and and it is uh it's a good time to just you know between between christmas and uh, new year's it's always a good time to reflect and prepare for the upcoming year and we are going to deck the halls with masks this year instead of holly. Yep. Stay yes. safe, everyone. Another year. Yep. All right. Well, let's get started. Um, the first question we had was uh, via email, and it was, uh, I have a question regarding BPH with LUTs. If a patient is treated successfully with a TERP, no longer having any LUTs, would the diagnosis then be BPH without LUTs? Or would it be a personal history of disease of other male genital organs? All right, that's a great question. And uh, the you know the when I look at this, I look at this and say, okay, so if the patient's treated and the patient no longer has BPH and and or LUTs, then it would be a personal history of disease of other male genital organs. However, the BPH was still present, then it would be coded the BP and there was no LUTs, then it would be coded BPH without LUTs. So, so that's kind of my thoughts on that. You want to elaborate and kind of share some more thoughts on that, Ray? Oh, Scott, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, in a well-resected prostate, which has very little tissue left uh, and no symptoms, it should be the personal history of. But if it was a huge prostate, only a channel was cut through, there's still BPH present, then yes, 
BPH without LUTs if they don't have any symptoms. So you're absolutely right. All right. Okay. So the uh, next question we have is, is uh, if a patient is in the office for the post-op visit after a prostatectomy and the urologist moves on from going over post-op care topics to cancer counseling, you know, further testing of cancer, surveillance, need for future treatment like radiation, review, pathology, the need for genomics, et cetera, can an ENM code be billed based on time with the 24 modifier? And second question is, if so, should the 24 modifier ENM code be documented on a separate note or at the bottom of the post-op visit note and if this is allowed, can you provide a sample of what the documentation should look like on the 24 modifier ENM code? Okay, so a uh, couple things here to unpack. Um, you know, can an ENM code be based on time with the 24 modifier? Well, the definition of the 24 modifier is an unrelated ENM service in the postoperative period. So you don't necessarily have to be. Uh, base it on time, but you can if the service is unrelated, if the ENM service isn't unrelated to the, the post-operative care. So you can bill it on time or you could even code it on the medical decision-making uh, components. So that's uh, the first one. Anything to add on that, Ray? No, I think you, you've, you've got it. It's, uh, you need to understand the concept of all of these issues and and you hit the nail on the head when you gave the definition unrelated and anytime you talk about the disease process either enlightening the patient about what they're dealt with or how you treat it or further diagnosis and you're not just talking about the post-operative course in other words how they're feeling how they're doing whether they're having any difficulties from the surgery where you've gotten the correct uh, results or not. Anytime you start talking about the disease process in any way, then that is unrelated to the procedure. It's not unrelated to the disease process. It's unrelated to the procedure. And yes, you do need to, to make it clear that uh, that this is unrelated. And so, are and you going the, to give an example, or you want me to? Well, uh, okay. So, so the the next part of the question, and I'll let you give the example. But the next part of the question is, uh, if uh, if so, should the twenty four modifier ENM code be documented on a separate note or the bottom of the post office office visit note? And and the answer is, it could be on either. However, a separate note, you know, would make it clear that it was a, a you know, unrelated E&M service, but not, it doesn't matter. And, you know, you could do it in either place. And then also, uh, they asked for a sample documentation of an e and code using the modifier 24. So I'll let you go ahead and give that uh, definite or example of what the documentation should look like. Well, when documenting something that you're going to charge for in a global period, I like to make it perfectly clear because not all 
auditors are created equal. And some of them are knowledgeable and some of them you want to paint the picture to be sure they understand. So in this case, I would say patient is doing great post-TUR. Uh, he has good stream, having no difficulties. After the post-op visit, I discussed with the patient uh, the disease process and the treatment of the primary problem, blah, 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 or whatever. So I would document what I did in the post-operative period, and then I would make it clear that I am transitioning. And as Scott said, that should be in a new paragraph or uh, a new doc. And in your EMR, a new paragraph will do fine. But uh, I don't think you need to set up a different, totally different note because it could be commingled as far as the rule state. But as Scott mentioned, unpack it so the auditor will know exactly what you're doing. And if it is uh, time-based E&M service, then you do need to mention the time. And Otherwise, you do no. need to mention the exact time that you spent discussing the disease process. And be sure they understand you're not counting the time you spent in the post-operative evaluation. Oh, good point. Yes. Yep. All right. Very good. The next question we have, uh, it's, uh, the practice I work for has a medical oncologist who often sees patients referred by one of our urologists. A question has come up about whether the oncologist can order tests prior to seeing the patient. Aside from patient confusion about having tests ordered by someone they've not seen, I don't think there's a problem. The initial encounter would still be a new patient visit since he has not performed a procedure or supervised a test. He could count the review of tests he previously ordered in data since they were not counted when ordered. Is this correct? And the answer is yes, that is correct. It would be a, a new patient. And since the uh, the uh, medical oncologist has not previously seen the patient face-to-face -face or provided a professional service, then that patient would be, in, in the last three years, then that patient would be considered a new patient. So, so you are correct. That is the... Uh, uh, that that would be counted as a new patient, and if he ordered the the data, and since they weren't counted when ordered, then the medical oncologist could count the data points for the the reviewing of the test or or whatever the, was ordered. Uh, other thoughts, Ray? When you're looking at a question like this, you want to think about all the issues that have been raised and be sure that you are answering each one of those. And number one, is this going to be a new patient? And there's two issues here. One, the doc has ordered a test prior to seeing the patient. And number two, he's in the same practice as the referring doc. And so the answer to those is, 
Yes, ordering a test is not considered a face-to-face or a previous encounter, which uh, would keep it from being a new patient. And since the, he is a or she is a different specialty, why certainly uh, that uh, qualifies for it being a new patient, even though they're in the same practice. And the third thing Scott made very clear, that they ordered the test prior to the visit, but that uh, since they didn't count the test because it wasn't in an encounter, they do get to count the interpretation of the test when it is viewed. And that would be a Category 2 data, not just Category 1. If it was viewed. If it was viewed and interpreted, independently interpreted. Right. Instead of just the report being reviewed. Yes. I like, and that's a, and, and do you hear on this? You hear the, the verb, the, the words that Ray's using, and this is what he wants to, and I think we mentioned this in previous podcasts and, and uh, in our seminar that, that. Ray really wants to get it so that it makes it very clear that when you view a test or review or when you view a report uh, or an image or something, then it should be used as view if you're going to count it as category two data. But if you just review the report of the image or the test, then that should be category one. Did I explain that right? Did I get that clear or no? Yeah, you almost use a, a wrong analogy for a minute, but you cleared it up. It, yeah, you can seeing. only view an image or a path uh, slide or something like that. You can't view a report. Yes. Okay. But you do review a report. All right. All right. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep that. We'll try to be very consistent in our uh, use of those review and view makes it easier for everybody and Uh, again that make it harder for some auditor to to deny what you've done and being consistent is certainly i use this every time and blah 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 blah. so okay uh here's another uh, question we got uh we had uh, the, the the note was uh, presenting problem is a recurrent UTI, and the it's uh, basically follow up UTIs in the re- recommended management was uh, D-manos and estrace, time voiding hygiene, copious fluids. She's uh, had no interval UTIs over the past year. Um, been better at uh, compliant with the orders and the assessment plan is uh, since she is a stable, she's a stable uh, uh, recurrent UTI patient on D-manos, estrace, time voiding, hygiene, copious fluids that uh, th- that they then should refill the estrace continued above lifestyle mods and D-manos follow up in two years with PVR. So, the, the question is, um, or the, the statement is, with a, with a clarification, is that the coders um, are, are looking at this saying that uh, they, 
they don't feel comfortable using both assessment codes on this note. But what uh, the person asking the question is stating is that she thinks the doc should start the note with follow-up recurrent UTI with atrophic vaginitis. And, you know, wouldn't that be sufficient? And the answer is yes, that, that, that's good documentation. That would be sufficient. Um, and, Ray, I'll let you do the uh, fill in the blanks on this one because it's a little bit more than what I've given as the, the direct answer. Well, you got to love the fact that they are really drilling down. And they are absolutely correct. That would be the most correct way to do it. On the other hand, they may be overthinking it a little bit because even though you're using the, the medication and the treatments to treat uh, probably atrophic vaginitis, it is also being used to treat the recurrent UTIs. So they're absolutely correct. It is the best way, but it, would it be absolutely necessary? Probably not. Yes, but in uh, but as we always say, complete documentation is 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 key to to everything. So that maybe not necessary, but the better documentation is always the better way to go. Would you agree? Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh. Final, uh, let's see, we got one more question here. And question is, do I need an ENM code when I do urodynamics procedures? Well, that's, uh, that's dependent. I guess that depends, right, on which procedures are done. And, uh, you know, I think for me to answer this, I'd need a little more information on uh, – on what exactly was done, but Ray, you probably have some thoughts on this. Well, I, to take this question literally, do I need an ENM code when I do urodynamic procedures? The answer is no. Uh, you have the technical and then you have the uh, professional component. If you actually perform an additional ENM service, you could charge an ENM code, and if you but if you don't, why you you shouldn't charge it, and that would go for either a a, a PA or someone overseeing the urodyn or the or the urologist overseeing the urodynamics, are the one reading it. In in either case. Are the are the one that's uh, using it in the treatment? You have to actually perform an ENM code in order to charge one. And reading the urodynamic procedure without using it in medical decision making would not trigger an ENM code. All right, that makes it uh, definitely more clear. So, uh, all right, that's, that's what we wanted to do today is kind of show you how we, you know, we talk about the different, uh, procedure or the different questions and, 
we we get you know we 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 get some we talk about the surface kind of what the answer is and then also a little bit more background to really try and explain the why behind the what and and the answer and and I think that really helps out with encoding because there are there is a lot of gray in there and you know Ray and I were talking about you know the 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 training of a of a clinician is you know you're you know two plus two equals four most of the time you know but in coding it's just not that way there's a lot of gray and you have to know the underlying concepts and then apply those concepts so that's a it, it's a a learned you definitely have to learn the underlying information to then apply it to the situation and it's not a memorization game as you've said so many times well and and unfortunately there's still a lot of misinformation and misunderstanding floating around not only from consultants but in compliance departments and misinterpretation by coders and that's the reason we have a higher denial rate than we need in urology today and higher one than we should have and the reason a lot of things are not getting charged that should be charged so the more knowledge you get and that starts with the provider and goes in with the coder the better we are and, and you can't judge knowledge by credentials We've seen too many coders with credentials that knew their CPT and ICD-10, but didn't understand how to apply the rules and the appropriate modifier use. And I will, I will add to that that not only is you know the reimbursement impacted by identifying all the procedures and getting the the claim submitted cleanly the first time but it also saves a tremendous amount of time knowing coding saves the practice significant time because it's just a lot more streamlined you don't have to go back and correct mistakes it and it has to be a team sport with the provider and the coders and billers and it's just it has to be learn by all so that it becomes a very big time saver. And then you can, uh, you know, focus on your patient care and, and a happy life, as we always say. And and we're not just talking about the uh, private practice. We're talking about you as an employed physician, if you're employed. Uh, we have testimonies that prove an increase, significant increase in work value and time saving if you're knowledgeable on the, the the basic rules and concepts. Right. How would you like to work less, double your, your work RVUs uh, in the process? That can happen with, with uh, you know, really understanding the rules. If you don't understand them now, you learn the rules and really master that, those rules and work with your your team in in an employed setting as well as in a private practice setting it's amazing what will happen so we've seen it we've heard it we've got testimonials about it 
we we just keep keep encouraging that okay with that happy holidays enjoy your holidays and uh we'll i guess uh we got one maybe one more podcast before the end of the year but if uh we'll we'll, we'll see what we can come up with with the final update i know we're having a webinar on the 28th december 28th with anything that's changed so those last minute tweaks by congress mark's going to bring you up to speed on that and what all's changed we do encourage you to sign up for that webinar it's uh it's going to be an hour to an hour and a half and also as a special bonus in that webinar we are going to include our deck of cards for our enm flashcards so that's a special bonus as well as a pocket card and wall chart you know, we, we want to get as many of those in the hands of everybody as possible. So we do encourage you to join us and get that special bonus. And uh, it's going to be about an hour to an hour and a half webinar. And uh, that will be on December 28th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can sign up for that uh, if you visit our page, uh, the, this episode page, which is prsnetwork.com forward slash 079. That's, uh, that's all I have. Ray, anything to add? Happy holidays and happy coding. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery.